So, Clay, I don't know if you noticed, but the Voyager calls things hollow novels now. It's like mm. their new their new term. Are you pro or con? Are you pro or, or no? On the, <laughs> whatever I, the fuck the words I'm supposed to say. Are you pro or against this? Uh, I ain't for it. I'm against it. Um, I is it is a hollow novel something specific or is it is it just every holodeck program is now referred to as a hollow novel? Well, this one seemed like no. This one seemed like every other holodeck program I've ever right. run into. So I would I would say that they're just calling them. Programs are now called holo novels for some reason. But this one also did feel like Voyager fan fiction. So maybe that's why they're yeah. calling it a holo novel. Well, I can understand like Janeway reliving a book as a character. Mm. Makes sense to call that a holo novel. Like you're just a character in the book and you follow the plot and everything. This one felt a little bit more uh, cause and effecty. Like there's, you can, you you can know, interact with it in a different way. I would say... I would say this one is has a uh, like a plot to it, like it's a it's a holodeck p- program with a plot. Yeah, and so I would say if it has it, it's probably a hollow novel if there is a forward momentum that you are supposed to go on through the story. If okay. it is telling you a story versus just like <clears throat> you know Shafuk, which is just a hangout, you know, even, even if you can break off of it at various points and and not. You don't know the ending. You know what I mean? It's just right. an unfinished Yeah, I mean, book, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Sometimes okay. you get stuck in the dungeon just uh, cleaning spoons. We'll stick with it. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. We're about to get into worst-case scenario. Scenario, scenario. It's the 25th episode of the third season of Star Trek Voyager, the penultimate episode first aired on of the season, penultimate of the season, first aired on May 14th, 1997. It is eight of nine in the what arc, Clay? Seska? Yeah, Seska. Very good. Very good. Written by Kenneth Biller, so that means we got one more Seska in us. Cool. Written written by Kenneth Biller, directed by Alexander Disgusting soda. In-universe date 50953.4, which is 2373. In this one called Worst Case Scenario, a buried hollow novel with high entertainment value depicting a Maki <laughs> mutiny is discovered. So this one, boy, this one felt like the end of a 24-episode season script. Let's <laughs> 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 see. That's not even like a, a comment on the quality, but it's like when the writers start going like, what, what, what is writing a Star Trek script? Like, what does this mean at this point? And... Um, I would say that this one has a very strange structure to it, like a really weird, mm. like we're just out of gas. We got to get to the finish line. Let's just, let's start with something and see where it goes. And if we discover that only the last 10 minutes are going to have any kind of conflict in it whatsoever, that so be it. So be it. Right, That's the way it's yeah. going to be. Well, I don't know. I'll tell you, I actually really like the structure of this one to, up yeah. to a point <clears throat> because about halfway through it, I was, I realized they really haven't introduced a B plot or anything. And it's actually kind of refreshing because they're, they're just spending time with their concept, which was a concept that I thought was very fun. Yeah. Um, I I think the, I think this one has incredible novelty value to it. Like it's more, I think it's more enjoyable to, it's like more enjoyable to watch than it is a good episode. If that makes sense. It's like, sure. Yeah. And and I think it's the only, I think it's the only kind it's a kind of episode that, we would react differently to 
because we've done three seasons of the show at this point. Like if you uh-huh. just popped on Voyager and like, what what is Voyager? Oh, it's this. You're like, I don't, I don't know about this. This is this is strange. But I think that at this point, I found it mostly refreshing because this is not a show that tends to hang out a lot right, with the characters. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that this was a decent hangout episode where they weren't concerned about nebulas or anything like that. They weren't talking right. about inane bullshit. They were just kind of. Uh, just kind of hanging out for better and for worse, I will say, which is uh, the Voyager maybe problem with the cast of characters at this point, but I didn't yeah. interrupt. I uh, I probably like this one more than a lot of the recent ones, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a pretty novel concept and it was a lot of fun, but it still suffers from the problem that all of these episodes suffer from, which is um, once the Seska thing happens... I just kind of tuned out because I, or I should say, I, it, it's not that I tuned out, but there was something missing in the episode. And when it got to the end and it was just turned out that the Seska stuff all was real, then I was kind of like, oh, well, that's sorry. Kinda... You mean, you mean like the last 10 minutes or whatever? Yeah. When, when okay, they, when yeah. they booted up again and then Seska takes over and they reveal that she, programmed yeah i, I thought <laughs> you meant the very chance. end no right. oh no yeah, yeah. yeah on the yeah. off chance that tuvok ever decided to complete this program it <laughs> triggers this like <laughs> shadow program that like wh- when all of that stuff turned out to be real i i was kind of like oh because i i feel like it was missing another beat at the end where they get to the end and then tuvok turns to paris and he goes well, I guess I'm not th- that bad of an author after all, am I? Like the whole right, thing was right. was His too scam. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it, and it, it's so the fact that it was really evil holographic Seska taking over the ship. I don't know that the that ultimate the dicey. ultimate plot post death that you can have is to have your your hologram just waiting to take over the ship and not do it, not do it right away. Yeah, I I, I found moments of that cheesy. It's like the um. It's tough. It, it was an episode that walked a fine line and had me frequently going back to that question that I have about like, how is Voyager different from the better Star Trek shows? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is fair or not, but like when Seska's like, I've rigged this holodeck to explode. Yeah. I was like, I was like, TNG <laughs> or DS9 would never, <laughs> never say yeah. that you've rigged the holodeck to explode. Not that it didn't make sense in the context of the show, but Voyager's Voyager's a little goofy in that way. It's like a little bit, um, it's like more genre than the other franchise shows are, or some of them are anyways. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I talking about the ending, this was one of the Voyager episodes. I hit the, uh, I hit the timer thing. I was like, how much is left in this? And there was two minutes left, and the episode had not wrapped up. And I was like, "How are yeah. they? How are they? I think Seska dies with two and a half minutes left in it. It's like it's right to the very end about what you can, where you can stretch a like a, a narrative to go." But yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Like that, that this one, this was the first one in a while where ending with the uh, the sitcom ending, where everybody's sitting around a coffee table and somebody says something and they kind of laugh. Yeah, it felt more appropriate. Uh, than it usually does but even still again the fact that seska took over the ship and they're kind of brushing it off feels well it just it's it's a weird tonal thing that they have with the show well that's the uh 
the cast hangout I thought was most like like the the for better or for worse when I was mentioning the characters hanging out on Voyager. I thought that the the very final scene where they're all hanging around the table mm. was a good example of the cons of the Voyager cast hanging out. And I think it's actually a, a product of the writing more than anything. Although some of the actors are better than others. Like I think that um, Voyager, because in that ending scene, Chicote has like a really lame bad sitcom joke that he ends and everyone goes, ha, 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 right, ha, yeah. ha, And it's like, guys, it's not funny. Like, I, the, 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 the forcing them to hang out really, it stressed to me the fact that this cast feels the least cohesive out of, out of a lot of the cast at this point. At the third season, compared to its predecessors, I feel, those casts had, like, gelled by this point. And yeah. I don't think that the Voyager cast has gelled, really. No, I don't think so either. Um, I mean, they don't honestly... It's weird to say this, but they don't really spend a lot of time together. Yeah, they don't have big group scenes with each other. Yeah, no. yeah, they're all kind of all over the place. Um, everybody just loves shooting Harry in the chest, though. So that's yeah, that's it's. I mean, he's a big target. He's rotund. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I thought that the it just struck me as a little bit too corny of an ending. Mm-hmm. It, it was like you know this this it, this feels like a bunch of actors acting in a yeah. fairly silly kind of script and it didn't strike me as a um uh a real believable group of like friends who have had or co-workers or whatever you want to call them who have had an experience with each other it just felt a little bit too trite for me at yeah the end. i was um i was surprised that they didn't stretch out who wrote the book longer yeah I kind of thought what the episode was going to do was everybody does this program and everybody starts getting like really weirded out by how they're presented and like really self-conscious about stuff, (laughs) you know, and that's turned into like a, like a ship argument. You didn't see, um, you didn't see the cucumber and Tuvok's pants in the holodeck program. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did guess it. I did guess it very quickly because in the first scene, I was like, okay, this is a holodeck thing. And then once it turned into who wrote this, I was, I thought, okay, uh, the the, the first thing that said is, man, don't you hate Tuvok? And like, ah, Tuvok (laughs) wrote this, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, his, uh. His his deep seated uh, low self esteem about what everyone's talking about him. I thought it was, I thought it was going to go a longer, mostly because the scene where they're discussing it in the conference room and Janeway's like, whoever wrote this thing is quite a person. It's like what a marvel of entertainment this is. She goes on for like five minutes talking about it. Tuvok doesn't interrupt her. He waits until <laughs> she's done and then he goes, yes, Yeah, go I, I, I wrote that thing. I, I wrote the the whole thing that we're talking about. But yeah, I was um. I'm with you in the sense that for up until the Seska part, I was like, this is kind of a remarkable episode of Voyager because literally nothing is happening in it. It's like the Seinfeld it's, episode of Voyager, yeah. but it's, in, it's, but it's enjoyable. Really enjoyable. It's, kind, it's yeah. kind of a neat idea. And, you know, like the, the barest of conflict is who wrote it. And it's like, I don't even care yeah. really who wrote it. It's like, it's fine. But I, I thought it was structured. I thought it was structured well for that stuff, which is that it spends 10 minutes and you're kind of unsure what's going on, whether or not there's a holodeck. And then they, they have the neat thing where Paris walks in and Blanda freezes the program for the first time and you know that it's a holodeck at that point. And then they have the mystery of who wrote it. I really liked the... My favorite scenes were the very meta 
Star Trek writers writing characters talking about writing a Star Trek episode thing. Oh, I sure. thought that that was kind of cute. It's fun. It's not unheard of to do that in the show, but it was cute here. The uh, the George R.R. Tuvok sequence where yes, yeah, he hasn't finished his book and then the people are like, oh, we can finish it for you. We didn't even need you. <laughs> talking about passionate love scenes and whether or not, uh, very similar to the podcast, whether or not the logic of a narrative is important or not <laughs> in mm-hmm. the storytelling. Uh, Tuvok believes that it is, and he makes up some bullshit Vulcan to prove that. But I, I enjoyed all that stuff until, and I guess I'm kind of realizing now, sort of as a fly in my face, that I'm kind of realizing it now that um, the Seska thing was the downer of it at the end yeah. when it just goes, oh, okay, it's a holodeck program that's gone awry, and I knew that the holodeck had to yeah, go awry. There's, there's, I, the first half of it, I, I feel, is, is pretty clever. Yep. And then <clears throat> the Seska stuff not having a twist to it at all is not clever. It's just, what do we do for the last half of this episode? You know, yeah. they, like there's, there's not even a moment where Paris turns to Tuvok and goes, Tuvok, come on. You obviously wrote this. You're trying to make a point. Stop. You know, you know what I mean? Like he, to, Paris, in terms never, of Seska, like he doesn't buy into it. Or right. Is that like what you this mean? thing, yeah. you know, oh, we've just had an argument about who's the better writer. And then all of a sudden this new thing happens and you're trying to make a point here, you know, Paris uh, doesn't at all nonchalantly try to, right? You know, and ends up getting shot he, he in the ex- arm or whatever. He, yeah, he accepts the threat as real Very immediately. Quickly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I don't know if they needed to make it fake, but I think if they had made you wonder, like I, I found myself wondering if it was real up until. The, uh, Janeway started writing new programs on the fly and sending them like uh, loot crate <laughs> drops for their for, to, for their weapons. Do you, do you mean at the very end? <clears throat> yeah, when they, when she's dropping the weapons for them. And stuff, yeah, right? once that's w- once they start cutting back to the bridge and it's like there's a problem with the holodeck. We can't get them out. It's like all right, I guess this is actually happening. But yeah, that's the. I think that's that was a perfect example of the last ten minutes going falling back on real bad Voyager traits where it's just a character standing at a computer screen saying like I'll do it for you and then typing something in. Yeah. That's that's not that's not enjoyable. No, but it's the because like if they the argument that they get they get into, right? Like Paris and Tuvok, one of the things is the logic thing where Tuvok is yeah. like there needs to be a certain logic and Paris is like, I don't know. If they had Paris be like, You're too logical, you're too concerned about blah, 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 blah. And then they go into this thing and this thing happens, which is completely insane. Yeah. But it's very exciting. And then at right. the end, Tuvok makes some has it reveals that it's a it's a program written by Tuvok and he says something about like you know, there there is logic in the illogical when it comes to you know some bullshit like yeah, that, yeah. where which like leaves Paris aghast. I think that would have been really fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they could have pushed the meta commentary further in yeah. that the the conflict actually furthers the disagreement about how you're supposed to write a story like that. That would be kind right. of clever. Is that yeah. but the the holodeck program is you know sort of the holodeck program can be an example of all different kinds of writing styles that the, they might want to talk about and that they can have a little bit of a conflict in there. And Tuvok can be talking about the, like the logic has to make sense for this murder mystery or whatever. And, and Paris can be more like you're saying, just like a fast and furious. He's like, there's explosions and everything's happening. And that would be kind of fun. I, I, I thought it was in, in that way. I, it was probably one of the stronger holodeck episodes. I yeah. think there's a yeah. couple good holodeck episodes in my mind, but this is, this idea was enough to put it up there in that top echelon, I think. 
Yeah, I wish there was more of the NPC crew members just slapping the shit out of them, though, in the second yeah, half, yeah. like the doctor yeah. does. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <that's, clears throat> yeah, I like that he, in the holodeck, well, I guess it could be either, go, go either way. I like that they gave him his hologram powers in the holodeck as though, you know what I mean? Like, they, they went far enough to say that he can just go invisible when someone tries oh, to punch sure. him in the head and things yeah. like that. I did. I did like the sequence before they go into that, where they they keep running into people who have ideas that they want to throw in. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's I can good. I can I can speak from experience. That is something that happens in real life quite a bit when people find out that you write things. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good. It's a good take, and I. I thought it was. I thought it was neat. There. Um, what do you? Do you do you buy like so, so take it take it as literally do you buy the Tuvok had a holodeck program like this? Does that seem reasonable uh, I do. to you? I do, yeah, because it it seems like the kind of thing. Because that was my first thought as it was going through, and I was like, okay, what what it, could this possibly be? And I and I felt okay. It feels like Tuvok wrote it, and for the pro- I thought it was. I thought it was going to be slightly different because I thought mm. it was um, <clears throat> my my reasoning was that it was a hologram scenario that that he would put the crew members through to see how they would react in the face of an insurrection. Yeah. Um, not a uh, sort of a gaming like out a, of what actually would yeah, happen. No, yeah. yeah, not like game theory <clears throat> of, how, of how he should react to it or anything. Yeah, but it, it made sense to me that that he would come up with some sort of... Uh, it, it's like uh, there's a famous uh, Justice League story called... I think it's called Tower of Babel, where this villain shows up and, and ha- is equipped right off the bat with ways to defeat every member of the justice league that kind of are like thinking outside the box and very effective. Yeah. And ultimately what they find out is that, um, this villain had snuck into the bat cave and found Batman's secret file where Batman has created contingency <laughs> plans. Should any member of the justice league go off the rails? So yep. he has this just like whole file full of ways to very efficiently defeat the justice league. Should he need to do it? <laughs> <laughs> like that that's the kind of thing is like that is definitely something Tuvok would have is just in case this Maquis thing doesn't work out we need to be prepared this is the backup plan yeah I liked it it left me a little bit um it left me a little bit disappointed in that Voyager could have had a great first season at least it had decent first season but it could have like the oh right just yeah the, just the yeah. fact of the Maquis like the characters talking to each other behind other characters' backs. I was like, man, I wish Voyager had really had really believed in this idea and like done the yeah. like two crews on one ship type thing. I just it's it's certainly a much more uh, like adult and like um complicated show to write at that point. And you probably can't do seven seasons of twenty four episodes with that idea because that's ridiculous. Sure. But the first season or the second could have been great. I just like the the thing that it showed to me is the complete and like utter disregard for the characterization of Chakotay. Cause Tuvok brings this up in the start where he's like, he's like Chakotay, I couldn't trust you at all. Chakotay has been on team Janeway nonstop since the middle of the pilot. I think yeah. like the, he, he completely lost any sense of um, 
danger to him. I don't even know if Beltran is the actor to pull off Chicote in that sense. If you wanted to write Chicote that way, I think he, I think Belt, uh, Beltran's pretty unfortunately bland in that yeah. way. Um, and also in universe, um, Chicote's not an a, a uh, an unknown quantity to Tuvok. They they were in the Maquis together. Yeah, for a Tuvok while. was un- undercover. Yeah, <clears throat> right. Yeah, but so Tuvok knows what kind of person Chicote is. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe he's. Maybe he's taking some leaps. Maybe he's not. Maybe this is what he. That's what. But see, this is what I'm talking about. Where it would have been fun if they had kept the secrecy of who wrote it, because yeah. then if Chicote does the program and he's like, "What? You th- who? Who thinks I would do this? Right? You know." Yeah. And then it becomes yeah. like, a, "You think so little of me that I would cause a <laughs> mutiny on the ship?" You know, uh, like that. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's these types of episodes. I think are the kind of episodes that fit the style of the concept of this show. And I wish they would do more like this because the, the, the idea that this episode is about 150 people who have been stuck on a ship with each other for three years, all kind of getting cabin fever because they discovered someone's fan fiction and get yeah. in really hot over how they're being portrayed that's mm-hmm. something that's very unique to this concept i think like it doesn't yeah, that wouldn't yeah. quite work on deep space because they're, cause they're stuck with each DJ. other right and, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah they and they and through their struggle are becoming closer to each other in a way that the other shows did not necessarily need that to happen right yeah and it also stinks that the the holodeck program does as you're saying uh give us the most interesting use of the Maquis and Starfleet split. Yeah. I think they've ever done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. It is too bad. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it could have been interesting. I like that the, the Maquis in this program are just dying to get back into their vest and like striped shirt. That was my favorite part. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as, as soon as the captain was off the ship, (laughs) the vests came out of mothballs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 fun. It's um. What did, did you this? I guess Seska's the other part of this because we're in episode eight of the nine arc, nine episode arc for Seska. Um. I mean, my big thing is that I I had a. The the genre ness really pops with the Seska plan, which is that as a backup plan in like the event of my death, I've created this incredibly obtuse solution to punish you a little bit for killing yeah. me potentially. It's just that it may felt, never go into effect. Right. That may never happen. Decide not to finish this program. Yeah. So it's like <clears throat> that felt a little bit silly. I've never thought I never, Seska is not going to be on one of my top 10 most memorable yeah. Star Trek antagonist yeah. lists ever. So it's like, she is just another character to show up. You know, Chicote gets to make out with her a little bit while Tuvok and Paris stare at the stare at the hologram characters making out, uh, which is fine. But I wasn't happy about Seska. Any thoughts about Seska from you? No, yeah, not really. I mean, she. I, I think she was a fine enough villain for this. Uh, she, she makes, makes more sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, than like, someone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just keep thinking about how um, there's an episode of the X Files. I think it's called Bad Blood, where Mulder and Scully are what you're watching. You find out at different points are through the recounting of Mulder and Scully, 
And so you see the difference in the way they each recounted it and how like Mulder forgets certain details and just makes stuff up, you know, that yep. kind of thing. And so it's, it would, it, that would be the most interesting thing of this concept is if they, you go into this program and like, you just really see it's a bit of a send up of the way these characters act because it's being filtered through, especially yep. Tuvok who thinks humans and are just silly to begin with. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like Chakotay and Seska just constantly, constantly making out with each other. And <laughs> Chakotay being like, I I mean, I wanted Paris of, and Volana's uh, love scene to actually happen later on. Like, and Volana's like, God damn it, Paris, like the, with, the, with their holodeck characters or something. But because I was, I also, maybe it's the, um, we watched First Curiosity on the Patreon. And I was yes, just, I was sure sort did. of, I was thinking, for some reason during the, uh, where Seska's like holding them in the holodeck cargo bay and she has the phaser on them and stuff. I was, you know, Janeway had given them a gun. For The thing that popped in my head is like, I would really love if like George Washington showed up and just yeah. started like ninja kicking people. You know, it's, they're, in, they're in the holodeck. Why not make it just incredibly weird stuff at that point? When, when you yeah. have to save the day in your, in your episode... That's probably what's so disappointing about the ending, right? Because the ending plays out as if it was legitimate reality in how they beat Seska. There's right. no holodeck yeah. chicanery. There's no, you're in my world now, Parker, type stuff <laughs> going on. They, they needed, they needed more of the, that. There's just the one plasma something gun drop, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like imagine, they, imagine if instead of the Seska stuff, they follow through with the completion of the story and the the vigorous noting that they're getting from everybody and so they go back into the new version that just has everybody's input and it's just <laughs> complete madness <laughs> you know like that would have been su- really fun yeah no they could have they, they should have done they should have done more holodeck stuff it's we it's, i didn't really notice it because it felt just so cliche voyager at the end but that's a real bad you can't have a holodeck episode and where you're allowed to go off the rails that's that's the yeah. point. You can do whatever you want to that point because who who gives a fuck? You're in the not a real world, and they don't do it. I would just have um, I would have the ending of the program be like the whole cast of characters are watching as Janeway takes back control of the ship and then hangs everybody. In front. <laughs> <laughs> and and she goes and uh, everyone else just go. Well, I guess we we're not going to be mutinying. Well, like that's a, that's another thing. Like uh, there's the one moment where um. I can't remember if Janeway says it or if someone relays the order from Janeway saying that once they retake the ship, everybody's going to be executed. Yeah. And like, that's, (laughs) that feels like a, like a meta commentary on Janeway to a point that they don't get into at all. Like at no point does Janeway find out that this is what happens (laughs) and go like, Oh, I guess I, okay. (laughs) It's, it's, it's too, it's too bad. It could have gone places. I'm interested to see what you'll rate this on. But uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about here? Or should we should go to patron thoughts. Uh, I think patron thoughts is good. They will they will trigger our memories here. Uh, I'll give you the first one as I get prepared here. This is Kyle Barrett with worst case scenario. 
<clears throat> oh, I guess I should give the little spiel. I haven't done that yet because I'm clicking the buttons. If you guys enjoy the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske Pal and support us there. A couple dollars a month gets you the ability to listen to podcasts. There's like 200 podcasts where we talk about movies and all these other things on the Patreon feed. You can also, if you're at the $5 level, leave thoughts about upcoming episodes on a little post on Patreon and we read them on the show. And that's what we're going to do now. So Kyle is the first patron with worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, an episode which acts as a perfect encapsulation of the missed potential of the series, beginning with an intriguing and dramatic premise, but then quickly jettisoning it for cheap laughs and thrills. It goes meadow when characters discuss writing, but the episode fails or falls into the issues. But the episode falls into the issues it mocks, with each act feeling like a totally different episode, from dramatic what if to lame comedy to a generic holodeck malfunction story. For 10 minutes, it gives us the Voyager story we've been craving with an active, dangerous Chakotay and a conniving Neelix before Janeway chuckles at the idea and calls it a bit of harmless fun. It should have been Chakotay trapped in the program with Tuvok so he could see what the security officer thought of him and actually debate his role on the ship and whether he ever thought about mutiny. I do think it's a fun episode, but also a deeply frustrating one because it highlights that the writers knew of the dramatic potential of the show only to actively ignore it for a simpler and lamer direction, three out of five. Yeah. Good comment. Norman Buckwell says, worst case scenario, metafiction comes to Voyager and in the form of the holodeck and it works delightfully well. The Maquis and their cause is brought back in a way we can easily buy. Seska returns as a delightful villain and the arguments between Paris and Tuvok on how to tell an effective story provides brilliant insight into a dysfunctional writer's room. Still, it works great, even though, yeah, Seska could have been caught before she escaped with the Kazon, but so what? Lots of fun, great meta, and five malfunctioning big laser guns out of five. Royo says, worst case scenario, a meta episode, but one with a bunch of different layers, the jettisoning of the Maquis versus Starfleet tensions and all those potential story potentials, the idea that the Voyager crew would indulge in fan fiction, and also the idea of creating video games, which this coup d'etat simulator is it's episode it's an episode about writing that's highly uh, relevant to today's media too this isn't real life it's fiction don't sit go don't get so caught up in the logic i can imagine such words being spoken by D that resulted in game of thrones seasons five to eight being utterly ruined uh, a character's actions must flow in exact in exact why can't i say that word inexorably from his or her established traits Wiser words have never been spoken to, Vak. I'm surprised this conversation doesn't get clipped more often in media analysis. 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, the... I mean, they don't... Yeah, it, it, it's, it, I think that the, 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 the thing that they missed out on is the different kind of storytelling. I think that there's a commentary for like the writers surely feel that there's a formula to a Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, there's a way to, I actually, I probably would have enjoyed that too, a little bit more. If there was like a little bit more of like a, a little bit of a sting of, to the cynicism of it, of like, yeah. come on, this is just so predictable. Like what's, what's going on here? I, I would have been down with that. I think this is Ken Sito. case. If they had said something like, you know, they're all talking about how thrilling it is. If they had, if Bellana had been like, yeah, the first time it was great, but by like the fifth or sixth time, it was really kind of predictable and and, and formulaic. You can it's really the same, see the formula. Same program again and again, just the same kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit more insider jokes would have been funny. This is Ken Sito with the worst case scenario. 
It's not an episode that'll change your life, but there's a lot of fun to be had here. The exploring of different endings in the holodeck program, the meta conversation in the mess hall about good writing, a fun goodbye from Seska, four out of five. Tax Bear says, worst case scenario, Tuvok creating a virtual reality video game with Chakotay as the antagonist is great. The main plot with the program going rogue is cliche and predictable, however. Also, why do people threaten one another with phasers if they, as if they were regular firearms? They have a stun setting. Just shoot them. Good point. We're not here to think about that. I'll do, I'll do Bob. Uh, I don't know. Bob there's J. something like, I'm sure there's something psychologically weird about even if you're stunning somebody, just shooting them, you know? Yes. Yes, I thought that kind of reminds me. I I always have um. Uh, what do I have? I have a my idea was always like I I, I thought that I had for um. Like really hardcore, gun nuts, right? Like Second Amendment types, like really aggressive about it. it would be like, if you invented a gun that was uh, as absolutely as effective as a real gun, but zero lethality to it. So it's not like a stun oh, gun, sure. which is like the person can keep coming at you. This thing acts like if you hit it, this thing acts like you hit them with a shotgun, it, it will take them out, but they won't kill them at sure. all. Would you be for or against that? And I think that that's a, um, mm. that's a real, that would be insightful to me. Cause if a person says no, then you really are just about the gun as opposed to like what the gun is supposed to represent, which is like this ability to protect yourself and like the freedom to protect yourself. Yeah. So I don't know. That's something I always think about though. What if if instead of guns, they just had those puke sticks from minority report. (laughs) You can still, you can still punch somebody while puking. I think is the problem with that's true. That's, that's movie puking there because I, if you ever wake up with a stomach bug, you will, You'll be running to the bathroom very effectively as you're puking all over the. <laughs> all over the I don't know if I mean if you were get to get into a fight with someone and then they just hit you and you instantly started projectile vomiting. I don't. I think you would be so shocked and fucked up. That, I don't know if you would really go back okay. for a second punch. This is Bob J. I looked this up last time. I've already forgot. I think it's Coester. I hope. Bob, correct me if I'm wrong. Worst case scenario, interesting that Paris name checks Sandrine's as a place to hang out. Listen, don't come bringing up the real name of that place. Sandrine's as a place to hang out (laughs) rather than Neelix's Tiki Bar. I guess everyone's mind is already in previous seasons. And while Robert Beltran is never my favorite, here he captures the vagueness of 90s CD-ROM game acting perfectly. (laughs) He really does, yeah. Three hollow novels plus a half-finished one. That's a great analogy. He, He is that. That's yeah. exactly what he is. Yeah. Well done, Bob. Have you ever seen I, I know I've brought this up before. Have you ever seen the um the the supercut of it's a it's a CD, like it's uh Sega C D game about called like the New York Ripper or something with um Christopher Walken. Yes, he, yeah, yeah. He's oh like a detective, boy. right? Yeah. yeah, and he's just on eleven <laughs> of, of walkenness. Yeah. It's probably a setting in the game is the level of walkingness, <laughs> and you can you, that was cranked up to up to eleven. This is Poindexter G with the latest comment about worst case scenario. This is a great cold open. Even before Seska shows up, there are little hints that things are off. If you're looking closely, Bellana with a Starfleet ensign pip, or this is not in the comment. 
the fact that Kess has short hair again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, back to the comment. But imagine what the start Editor, of this episode. Editor's note, yeah. <laughs> yeah, editor's note. <laughs> but imagine what the start of this episode could have been if they had actually followed through with the Starlet, the Starfleet and Mark Maquis tensions. When was the last time that they've even said Maquis on the show? That's a good question. As it is, it's just a brief look at what could have been. I, I was looking at the, uh, to go with this comment, I was looking at the, my like voodoo app crashed and I had to reload it. So it was like no longer where I was and I had to click through season three to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Seska was the beginning of this season. It, it feels like 20 really? years ago. Yeah. Holy we were shit. Doing this. It's like, so it's, I mean, the, to answer his when it was Maquis said it was this season, but I, I not having not clicked through that, I would have said they must've done it. Season one was the last time that any of this was ever. I actually up. could not remember when she first showed up based on this. I, I, I started thinking, Oh, is she, was she there from the beginning, but she was just like a background character? I couldn't remember. Oh, yeah, right. <clears throat> it's been a long time. Matt Ross says, worst case scenario, I like this one, and I think that this is what the series could have started as the strain of Maquis versus Starfleet. The fake out with the starting with Bolana as she wears yellow was a nice touch, as well as the lack of... Un- Doesn't she always wear yellow? Yes. The fake out starting with Bolana as she wears yellow was a nice touch, as well as the lack of uniforms after the mutineers take over. Having Seska back as the snarling bad guy was cool, but how much power did these damn holodecks have? Shoot Neelix. Now, four alternates out of five. Because I liked that Paris wore the yellow uniform when yes. he's the one running the show. Yeah. Yeah, Bolana always wears yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's fun. an engineer. Uh, I'll send you hats. Ooh, hats. How many hats? Are- this is top hat comment. Uh, worst case scenario. Sometimes I wonder if this episode is Voyager writer commentary on their frustration with the showrunners. For instance, in the mess hall, Tom Paris declines Tuvok's probability research in favor of just making it up as he goes along. Tuvok's response of, I'd be curious to know what you've made up thus far. Later, he goes on to say, a character's actions must flow inexorably from his good or job her <laughs> i helped you there <laughs> from his or her established traits tom blows uh tom blows that all off and says what makes a good story is unexpected plot twists to which tuvok describes tom's ideas as a parody of his original vision whatever the inspiration i found the banter in this episode entertaining a little bit of a stretch that Seska did all this while under investigation, but I was glad to see her again. Three out of five stars. It always, it does always make me think or wonder what it actually takes to create a holodeck program because it seems like it should be very difficult. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of science that is even in that universe probably very complicated. Um, but it seems like anybody can just show up and go like, yeah, I made this thing that's an exact recreation of uh, 17th century France. Yeah, I guess with um, with all the actual modern day AI stuff, it actually gives us a little bit of insight into how it is. He probably just dumps a lot of stuff into the program <clears throat> that is true. and it spits yeah. something out for him. You know, I mean, listen, I'm not the biggest fan of AI stuff, but if we end up with a holodeck on the other end of it, it's fine. I, I welcome our that's new overlords. What, that's what the the metaverse is for. Do you know anything about the metaverse? Uh, no, I think it's, I don't, does anybody use it? I don't know if anybody uses it. Have you seen what it looks like? 
I no. They, they look like little like Mebos, like they're little yeah, like, cartoon characters. I do, yeah, I know it was a big deal because they got legs. Why? Or something. I mean, I take take this from a person who, when the iPhone came out, I was like, why would anyone ever want this thing? Mm. <laughs> so, but take it with it. I don't understand why why Zuckerberg thinks anyone wants to go in the the metaverse. I don't know, man. It's, know, it looks like ridiculous. The the pitch for it originally was like, now you can go to a meeting from your home, but feel yeah. like you're actually at the meeting. It's like, <laughs> right. that's, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but just walking around with your little Mebo and like sitting in a, a room, because I don't know if you use Teams at all. Um, no, not really. Teams has this ridiculous group Zoom call function, which it puts you... Uh, into various situations. So the one like the one that I can think of is like on a, on a Teams call, it's like a Zoom call. It's everyone has a little square and like it shifts to the active talker and everything. But in this in this thing that you can do, you can enter this room where you are all sitting as if you were sitting in the seats of a theater, like you're on stage looking out and we're sitting in the seats of the theater and your heads are just on the chairs. And it's absurd. Like because That's very strange. Why why what kind of what kind of business are you running where you're like, this is the thing, <laughs> this is the thing we're going to use, guys. We're going to sit and act as if we're in a movie theater talking to each other. It's just, it's completely absurd. Yeah. But that's what the metaverse strikes me as. It's like, why? I don't want to be a cartoon character and just walk down the virtual hallway and sit in this room and tear the headset off my head. I don't know. Uh, Jaron Hatch says, worst case scenario... This is easily one of the best concepts for a holodeck episode and one that perfectly suits Voyager. The twist with Seska's holographic ghost haunting them from beyond the grave is dumb fun. But dumb fun is what holodeck episodes are all about. Still, I'd give the episode a bit more credit if it ditched the twist and stuck with both the literary conflict uh, between Tuvok and Paris and its exploration of mm-hmm. the crew playing out a fantasy version of life on Voyager. There's potential there for some thematically rich stuff that would also lend itself well to comedy. Nevertheless, this is a shining gem in an otherwise dull season of Star Trek. Four cc's of nitric acid out of five. I'll read this next one too. Patrick Seba says, A banger from start to well-called callback to end. Bring nasty old friends from the grave. Seska, the Maquis, can't contain my glee while cast and crew shall misbehave. This best mirror app of all 90s Trek does cap off a season piled high with wet Trek. Five shining examples of a good episode based on the series premise out of five. A lot of fives in this one. Mm. This is Changeling, and I missed the I at the start. He says, I can. I can honestly say I didn't see this one coming. I liked the opening bits, and I thought halfway through the episode it was going to turn to crew in bickering over turn into the crew bickering over how their characters would be represented but the twist that the Seska actress returning not just as a cameo to show that this was a simulation but to turn the stories into the story's antagonist was a real surprise although why she couldn't just shoot them right away when they turned in it turned it on is beyond me five Tuvok R.R. Martin failing to complete his story out of five was did I miss something? Does Seska's victory cause the destruction of Voyager, or is uh, it just the death to the people in the holodeck? Because I was confused when she activates the self destruct. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be a line from Bolana saying like she somehow tied it into the actual yeah, self destruct so of Voyager, but that's yeah. not the case. It just blows up the holodeck. Yeah, 
it's a very short-sighted plan, I guess. <laughs> long I long way to go for a mutiny ham sandwich. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they mentioned whether or not this was actually all vengeance against all Voyager crew members, but I don't know. Uh, all right, I'll read the next one here. This is David Knox, Worst Case Scenario. This was a fun episode with an interesting debate between Tuvok and Paris on what makes a good story. I was wondering whose side would you guys agree with? Seska could have killed Paris and Tuvok twice, once when Seska first appeared and the second time after Janeway dies. Seriously, stop saying run, I'll count to five. Shouldn't she just shoot them? My son informed me that's because they have plot armor, which means they can't die. I responded with, no, it's a plot hole. <laughs> However, I guess it's just Seska toying with them. So maybe it's just a villainous flaw, like when villains waste time monologuing. Yeah, I give it a four out of five. I give it a four out of five because it's an episode I was able to show a non-Trekkie, a.k.a. my son, who hates Star Trek, and he thought it was pretty good. Quote, he, pretty good, quote, he just didn't like the Seska plot of her taking over. None of us did. None of us did. Even the youth of uh, the, <laughs> the adults of tomorrow don't recognize it. Yeah, I mean, that's not a plot hole. It's just, she's just fucking with them, that's all. Yeah, it's, um, it's a bad decision. On Holger, right. like yeah. it's not a plot hole; it's a bad yeah. decision from a character. That doesn't why? Make a ton of why sense. doesn't she shoot them? Is not a plot hole. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that yeah, like a a counterfactual is not a plot hole. Like yeah. if you if you like, why didn't the character do something else? Is just yeah, because they chose not to do that. This is just a dumb plot where she does not kill people immediately, just because that's the decision that they're making. Right. Um. Who said we agree with about? The storytelling um i mean no one bring it's not an episode that's trying to go for nuance but obviously the answer is that either one can make a good story depending sure. on what kind of story that they're well, trying to talk that's about. the thing right like it feels like the story <clears throat> should could be tuvok being someone who's uh really uh just the nuts and a bolts sla- just a slave make sense. to structure and logic yeah. versus paris who has a little bit more um fly by the seat of his pants kind of style and ultimately what makes it work is the two of them working together you know yeah like you would think that the way that this should probably end is that not that they just hand her an exploding gun but that they (laughs) they like work together to create a situation inside this program that is both logical to the story that's been set up but illogical in that it is fantastical you know what i mean right yeah yeah because that's ultimately you know where i kind of come down is i think there's Things need a certain internal logic, but that doesn't need to be your logic, you know? Right. has to be the logic of the universe, really. And as long as the logic of the universe makes sense, it's fine. And the holodeck allows you to have no logic. That's the logic of the holodeck is that you can do whatever you want. Right. Uh, How many more? Two, uh, three more, two more. Jonah says, worst case scenario, an excellent story about making stories in a love letter to the humanities, I kind of mixed up those words and I thought he was, I thought it read making love, but it's about making <laughs> stories and a love letter to the humanities. It was a nice touch to have Chakotay comment again in Tuvok's original program on Janeway's counterproductive interest in every space anomaly. I did like that, Toya. I was distracted at one point by the fact that the doctor's hand was clearly holding Tuvok's neck down while Paris's fist went right through the doctor's face. I'm not sure that the human holograph, hologram physics in the show will allow for suspension of disbelief at such moments. Five interruptions of Neelix pitching a story about a cook out of five. Uh, yeah, the um, T- Chakotay talking about the Space Nebula and wanting to get home mm. faster. 
uh, it's a good example of where the show just completely gave up on its premise. Really, it's like yeah. Chicote's never brought that up ever since. It's not been no one has ever pushed back on any of that at all. Um, the only time it comes through is when they're trying randomly in a couple episodes, they'll just randomly say that we shave three weeks off of our trip. If we go right. this way instead of that way. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's an interesting episode cause it does like the writers are, sh- are showing that they are aware of all of the things that we've criticized for the past yeah. three seasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's just clearly walking you know, orders to do exter- something else. Yeah, external pressure to do it a certain way. I'm sure. And you know, yeah. It's a franchise at this point, right? Check out our post show from last episode. Here, let's talk about that. This is Christian Pouch with Worst Case Scenario. Two more. <clears throat> this is a strange one. I remember enjoying this episode a lot, and I still do. But objectively speaking, it's weird. Seska stuff doesn't start until almost 31 minutes into the episode. The rest is spent exploring a hollow program without any real point outside. It's fun to see characters act different. So is this a four for entertainment or a three or worse for weird tones, late plot threads, and a demonstration of what could have been tensions that were set up but never explored? I'm not sure. Last comment. Rapala John Zorn says, worst case scenario, excuse me, if there had actually been a time that Tuvok was concerned enough about the Maquis to write a hollow program, I might buy this premise, but too many of the better episodes are drawn from that central conflict that existed only at a pitch, the pitch meeting. At face value, this is an entertaining episode, but if you sit with it for a while, it's only a pool of regrets and might have been. Hollow Chicote is the bad boy we really wanted, the one who makes us grind our thighs together while the real Chicote has yes mammed yes mammed himself into the friend zone no friends voyager is the relationship that comes to you on the rebound she will never be the star trek you really deserved she just happened to be the first one through the door offering a little cleavage and a little leola root casserole three no you sat on a whoopee cushion endings out of five <laughs> thanks everybody very much for leaving your thoughts about the episode worst case scenario i think the patrons averaged out to a four there i'm gonna mm. say what are you gonna give it on our scale of one to five um i want to give it a four but i yep. think the second half of it is not an, is not enough for me to do that so i would give it a high three but still a three yeah i'm uh i agree about the ending which i think is a letdown uh and just going by the, the way that i sort of grade them it comes to my point of it's it's a tough episode to show somebody and say this is a good voyager episode it really yeah. benefits from having watched the entire thing yeah i'm gonna give it a three it's probably the best that a three can be really in my opinion yeah, like I, sure. I liked it a lot um so i'll give it a three but i i think it was a good episode and in the season of twos this is the second best episode i think so far the dinosaur one i really liked is like a standard star trek episode this is the um the Dark Horse favorite, I think, yeah, after that. Yeah, I would agree. And we've only got one left. Scorpion Part 1 is left in season Are, are we? Three. We're doing those separately, right? Are we separately. Doing so separately? just watch okay. the first one. Yeah, just watch the first one. Uh, and for people who don't remember, it's, uh, when two-parters are within a season, we watch them together. But if they are cliffhanger split seasons, we watch them separately. Uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, patrons, for supporting the show at patreon.com slash the Penske panel. Leaving your thoughts. Me and Clay both give it a three. We'll be back with Scorpion, the finale of the season. It's been a long road getting from there to here, Clay, clearly. But we're about to move into season four of Voyager 2. Do you have anything you want to say? 
check out the Rotten Horror Picture Show, where Amanda and I talk about horror movies. And on Patreon, we're doing Video Nasties this year. We just did Dario Argento's Inferno. And we've got uh, Last House on the Left coming up in October. And Lucio Fulci's Zombie. And uh, one more after that that I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, Badass is on a bit of a hiatus. But definitely check out uh, Sean's got a Kickstarter running right now for his uh, Zorro graphic novel that he's been writing and illustrating. <clears throat> so you can, if you just look up Sean Gordon Murphy and Zorro on Kickstarter, it should be the first thing that pops up. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it came into my uh, email inbox the other day. He's been talking about Zorro for a long time, right? He likes, he, he's like had a thing yeah. for Zorro? Or yeah, he's been, this has been on his radar for a number of years. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a while in the making. Like he he actually went out and he got himself got the rights to to use the character from the the rights holders. If it's like Zorro yeah. Zorro Limited or whatever it's called, <laughs> um, <laughs> Mrs. Zorro yeah owns the uh, the rights to her husband's yeah. estate. So it's been a, it's been a long process, but uh, you know. It's I, I'm I'm helping him out. I'm editing the book for him, and so I've seen, I've seen the pages. They all they look fantastic, and it's going to be really nice once done. What's what's Zorro's deal beyond the fact that he carves a Z into people's shirts after he defeats them? He's just he's Batman. It's he's, he's a Batman. rich he's okay. a rich guy who goes out defends a, the yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. Nobody expect okay. nobody suspects him because he's rich, you know. Is he fights, in fights Texas or Mexico? California. Oh, he's in California. Yeah. That's like canon. That's where he most mm-hmm. usually takes place. Yep. Okay. Sean's book takes place in Mexico, but the, canonically okay. it's 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 California. Uh I think it's California before California is part of the United States. For the original Zorro. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That that makes sense, right? Okay. All right. Zorro also coming up on the next episode of Deadwood on something pretty. <laughs> that would be <laughs> sweet. Be. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to Worst Case Scenario. We're going to shut this down, and we're going to go to our post show right now. You guys can check that out. We do a couple Q&A questions, and then we release them on YouTube after the podcast episode goes out on Tuesday. The post show comes out on YouTube on Thursday. So it's a quick little hit. If you're interested in that, go to the YouTube channel. And we're going to sign off now. We will see you next week with Scorpion Part 1. Otherwise, check us out on Thursday with the uh, post show. See ya.